Hey there, and welcome to episode six of Scopophilia, the podcast. I, of course, am your host, Becky Teller, and I am leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia. Welcome, welcome. We are glad to have you here. And on a bright note, happy almost Halloween. Halloween is definitely one of my favorite holidays. Personally, um, I love any excuse to dress up in a costume or as a character or to watch spooky slash scary slash supernatural movies. So Halloween is just everything that I love combined plus pumpkin spice, (laughs) which I got to tell you, since pumpkin spice came back, I've had so much of it, I can't even quantify how much pumpkin spice I have had. But enough about me, because today's episode is about Donnie Darko. And I recorded this back in June of 2020, so it's probably the most recent interview that I've posted so far. But it was done in June, and when I was looking at the whole list of movies to choose from, I saw I had an opening for right before Halloween, And it was the obvious choice for me. So when I was able to get in touch with my guest today, Ian Crawford, he was gracious enough to come on the show. And I said, what's your favorite movie? And he said, Donnie Darko. And I was ecstatic. I mean, without a doubt. And additionally, listening back to the episode, it's super fun to hear us talk about this movie because you can tell how fascinated we are with movies and with media in general, and I think that's super fun. On top of it all, we're both podcasters, so I came into this interview feeling very confident about how it was going to go, having some interviews under my belt already, and Ian came in here with the same level of energy, with his own notes, notes on the show besides my own, And we just had a grand old time just talking about, you know, things that we found when researching and things that we noticed when watching the film again and just an overall wonderful experience. So without further ado, my interview with Ian Crawford about Donnie Darko. Enjoy! Scopophilia, it's the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something... It's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. I'm very excited because today we have Ian Crawford on. Who and tell? I mean, I'm excited to have you tell them, but tell (laughs) them about your podcast because I was was so excited when I found (laughs) out about it. Uh, Thank you. Uh, So I host a podcast called Slayer Fest '98. It is a Buffy rewatch, Buffy rewatch slash pop culture podcast. Um, We started as a Buffy rewatch podcast, but we just finished season six, and I've been trying to expand. We cover Marvel movies and a few other things, anything that might be like in the same vein, pop culture-y of like someone that watched Buffy might watch this too, so we're trying to expand that. But uh, 
yeah, and we, we we discuss each episode in depth, do like sometimes special episodes, um, and yeah. Right on. And I mean, I was telling you before this, I was so excited when, because uh, Jason, oh, just hit my mic, because <laughs> Jason mm-hmm. had uh, uh, put me in contact with you and told me about the show. And so I just started listening to it like from the beginning. And I'm like, oh, I remember that episode, episode <laughs> one, episode two. And it's just been a delight to kind of relive Buffy because when I, I had watched it, I didn't know anybody else who had watched it. And it was after the show was like basically over. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of fun to, to feel like I'm talking about it with friends. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's funny. I, when we started the podcast, that's what I said. I was like, I didn't really know anyone. Like my mom watched it and she was the mm-hmm. only other person I knew. Like, you know, especially back then, there wasn't like much internet. She was the only other person I knew that watched it. So I would talk about it with my mom, but that was about it. Uh, so yeah, it's cool that like people want to listen to me talk about my favorite show and that I've gotten so many people who also want to talk about this show and like talk about it with me or listen to me talk about it. Um, you know, I never would have, if you told like 18 year old me or 19 year old me that like, you know, I'd get to talk to James Marsters and uh, Charisma Carpenter on my podcast. I would be like, bullshit. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm supremely jealous. I cannot, I cannot even imagine the amount of fangirling I would do if they were on my show. They are both wonderful. (laughs) I'm so jealous. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my, I had a friend's mom who was like, oh, you might like this or, oh, you might like that. And so she gave me like the DVD box set per season. It was like I rented them from the library, but like not really. (laughs) She would just give me the box and be like, give this back to me when you're done. I said, okay. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's been a delight (laughs) to (laughs) say (laughs) that. And so I I asked you to be on the show. You were gracious enough to say yes. (laughs) And you had given a couple options, which all all of which I was excited about. Um, cause you had said Captain Marvel, who I would die for Carol Danvers. <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you had picked Donnie Darko. Yes. And so what was it about Donnie Darko that you were like, yes, this is the one that, that I want to talk about. Well, it's, a. Uh... It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite movies. You mentioned that you'd already talked about Little Miss Sunshine. Well, yes. Little Miss Sunshine and Donnie Darko kind of are like, the two different parts of me. I feel like you put them together and that's me because little <laughs> miss sunshines, little miss sunshines, like uh, a friend on Twitter. Once I said that, like, I didn't think they matched me as my favorite movies, especially little miss sunshine. And mm. a friend on Twitter was like, Ian, little miss sunshine is like feelings, of the movie. So yeah, of course you love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And I was like, Oh, that is, that is accurate. So I feel like I'm super emotional. And then like Donnie Darko fills the like, angsty teen hot topic part of me (laughs) and then you put them together and that's me (laughs) very nice well perfect and so what would you say is kind of this might be a difficult question what what would you say is kind of the like shortest synopsis that you can give on donnie darko (laughs) i think donnie darko is one of those movies where it's so hard to like, I don't know how they pitched this movie. I tried looking up, like, I was like, how did they, apparently Richard Kelly, like, met Drew Barrymore, and she mm-hmm. liked the idea, but I would, like, you know, people always say your pitch has to be, like, short, right? You have to do it in, like, a sentence or two. How would you pitch this movie in a sentence right. or two? 
<laughs> I feel like you would have to just like leave out all the like sci-fi supernatural stuff if you're pitching yeah. this. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I I feel like the I love it because so this this uh, the reason I love Buffy so much is because while it's about a vampire slayer existing in a world where like demons and monsters and vampires are real, um it's mostly like about the characters, right? Right. You mm-hmm. love it because of I mean they happen to hit one of those perfect storms of like good writers and good cast. Absolutely. Um, and I think this movie hits that too, where like if you did take out all the supernatural stuff, the cast is really good. They're really good actors. Um I think the dialogue, especially between Donnie and his sister, I mean, granted, they are really real life brother and sister, so that helps. Yeah. Is yeah, like, yeah. like I think of that one of the one of the opening scenes of them at the kitchen table, and they're just like She's like, why don't you suck a fuck? And he's like, how exactly does one suck a fuck? And then he like does the like, I'm all ears. Donnie, you're such a dick. (laughs) Whoa, Elizabeth. Little hostile there. Maybe you should be the one in therapy. Then mom and dad can pay someone $200 an hour to listen to all your thoughts. So we don't have to. Okay. You want to tell mom and dad why you stopped taking your medication? You're such a fuck ass. (laughs) Please. Did you just call me a fuck-ass? Elizabeth, that's enough. You can go suck a fuck! Oh, please tell me, Elizabeth, how exactly does one suck a fuck? (laughs) You want me to tell you? Please, tell me. We will not have this at the dinner table. (laughs) Stop! (laughs) What's a (laughs) fuck-ass? I I think, like, that's... Like, right out of context, that's a good scene. And you don't even need to know that there's, like, a bunny that's coming to Donnie and maybe his dream. Right. And time travel and all that. It's like, that is a good scene that out of context is still a good scene. And you still know, that you're like, you get it. Oh, there's a family. This is their dynamic. They're talking about politics. And then, you know, the sister and brother are cursing each other off. It just, I don't know. I think that's my favorite kind of uh, sci-fi slash supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. Is when, if you took it out took out that element it would still be really good um and that's always what i look for so i think this movie hits that sweet spot for me as well of it's just it's so well done and like you know the teen boys are kind of assholes but that's like true to like they feel like real teen boys to me absolutely well and it it's a movie that came out in 2001 and it's about the 80s 1988 yeah so there are like kind of classic 80s teen movie elements like throughout the whole thing that I at some points I forget that it's a 1988 movie (laughs) or like supposed to be a 1988 because a lot of it like kind of meshes well between modern quote-unquote and retro I think yeah Yeah. but there there is definitely a very interesting dynamic going on through the film and it had been a while since I'd seen it and I was just like forgetting a lot of things and so coming back to them with kind of fresh eyes and a little more education i was like okay so interesting things are going on here interesting (laughs) (laughs) yeah there even i mean i like i said this is one of my favorite movies i hadn't rewatched it in a while Mm -hmm. and there was things i had genuinely forgotten about i forgot just how many famous people are in this movie i know (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy that it was like one of his first I think it is his first movie or maybe like one of his first. Um, And like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal hadn't really been in that much prior Mm -hmm. to this, but like everyone else, like Drew Barrymore and like, um, 
Patrick Swayze. Like all of them were already really famous when this came out. Right. Well, and I think I read that it's Seth Rogen's first movie yeah. and that he still doesn't quite understand what it was about. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is great. <laughs> um, another fun fact, actually, that I wanted to mention that I just recently learned. Mm-hmm. I saw someone tweet about, I think someone was doing like a, not Donnie Darko, but like a movie trivia in general thread on Twitter. And uh-huh. someone mentioned Mark Wahlberg um, wasn't given the role of Donnie Darko because he insisted that Donnie have a lisp and Richard right? Kelly was Yes, I did see that. I, I really was like, that's fake. There's no way that's real. That's so cartoonish. And then I looked it up and it's real. Like he really wanted to have a lisp. <laughs> God. <laughs> Which I mean, like granted Donnie Darko is a pretty, it's an interestingly dark film. Cause I, I, I don't want to say it's like a dark film, like definitively. Cause there right. are like some moments of light. There are definitely peaks and valleys, but can you imagine like Boston accent Mark Wahlberg with a lisp coming in and doing these scenes? God, <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel like it would have been a completely different movie because Jake Gyllenhaal, I do think Jake, I mean, also he's gorgeous, but like, I think he's a really mm. good actor. 100%. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And he he has such an interesting range in this movie between like, like you know, wide-eyed 80s teen and really like a lot of darkness inside of him too so that when you see it on screen like at the same time you're like is this the same kid and like what's going on in that head like yeah (laughs) there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot going on in that head no yeah totally and i mean that's another reason i love it it's like also it is i mean it is dark but it just it balances everything it doesn't go I mean, the end, I think, would be the darkest, right? Like, I don't think it gets mm-hmm. that dark until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, you know, and it also blends in a little bit of horror, too, because I remember being, like, kind of scared of Frank the first time I saw the movie. Oh, absolutely. I can remember jumping when he puts up his paw towards the end, like, in, probably in the middle, when, like, Donnie's in the bathroom and he puts up his hand. He's like, how do you do that? And then Frank puts up his paw and it's, yeah, like, filmed weird and it's, like, fast but slow uh, mm-hmm. like I, I, I really liked that it blends in the horror, but you know, Frank, when, like, once you finished a movie, you know, Frank isn't actually like a monster. He's like a dude that was dead and somehow time traveled. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I like that. I like, like in like putting the horror element into it, but not, it's not really horror, right? It's just like creepy and a little bit scary. Maybe if you don't know what's going on. Yeah. It's, it got, has, um, blah, blah, it has some like kind of thriller, or like suspense elements to it that like kind of teeters toward horror, but then it mm-hmm. kind of comes back to science fiction, which is I think a little cozier for people who aren't into horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let's, I mean, time travel. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, before I came on here, I was watching a video where they were trying to explain time travel because the director's cut apparently has more information mm-hmm. and I hadn't watched that. And so they were going through it and I was like, I feel like I'm in college again. Like you're trying to explain something to me and I'm not sure I understand it. (laughs) So the director's cut I have seen. um, It's funny. I was looking for the director's cut since I knew I'd only seen it once. Mm -hmm. I was actually looking. I was going to try to watch that because I kind of like know the movie well enough that I would have been able to be like, oh, you know, this scene wasn't in the real one, the regular one. Um, but I couldn't find it. And I have the DVD, I think, somewhere. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. being so excited. Real talk, it is not that good. Uh, 
because this movie's long <laughs> enough. Like, I don't think the movie needs to be longer. And right. I think it's like a good 20 minutes longer, the director's oh, cut. Okay. Um, and he adds in. So, Richard Kelly, have you seen any of his other stuff? I'm not sure that I have, actually. So, I'm trying to think mo- of what else he had done. The movie that I, it's like, I love it, but I think it's bad, is Southland Tales, which stars Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, okay. It also has like a bajillion famous, it's like Sarah Michelle Gellar of The Rock and Stifler from American Pie are the main characters. Oh, jeez. But like Justin Timberlake and Janine Garofalo are also in it. Uh, it's, I feel like he's someone who needs like a, a heavy hand with editing. He needs right. an editor who's like, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, nope, right. nope, nope. <laughs> Because that movie is like a mess and there is so much going on and there's a lot of good ideas, but there's like too many. Uh, and the director's <laughs> cut is kind of like that. So there's a lot more of, you know, the scene where he follows the whatever you would call them when he's watching TV, he follows those little like blots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he finds like, the gun, right? Yeah. So there's okay. a lot more of those scenes okay. in it. Um, and I just felt like we didn't need more of it. Um, yeah. Sounds expensive. <laughs> Yeah, also that. <laughs> I feel like that's why this came out. That's why the director's version came out, you know, a couple years after. Because it was like, oh, now the movie's like a cult classic and super popular and probably made him more money afterwards than like up front. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like, I sometimes I think it's like, you don't need all that. Like the movie was fine the way it was. Um, and there's just a lot more of like weird effects like that. Like I remember there's a scene where Donnie's looking and it like bulges his face into yeah. one of those like yeah like there's a lot more of that stuff in okay the, and i just i just don't need it right we only need yeah. like one or two it's fine <laughs> right well and it's so startling like when it happens because it only happens once in like the yeah. the original cut where he like looks in i think it's gretchen's tunnel and then she's like in front of him and his eyes were like bulging out and it's yeah. kind of startling at first like this is the first time i've seen this in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah and i yeah so i so time travel i think you know, I'm curious where you land actually on this because um, it was funny. I was tweeting about like, oh, I'm rewatching Donnie Darko for a podcast I'm recording, and someone tweeted at me being like, oh yeah, it that movie makes no sense, but I love it. And I didn't <laughs> want to be like that pretentious asshole that's like, oh, well, I think it kind of makes sense, but like, right. <laughs> I think it kind of does. Like once you like, once you accept that time travel is just like you can't. There's no like rhyme or reason to the time travel, but the time travel is a thing that happens in that universe. Mm-hmm then I feel like it's like, okay, yeah. Right? Like, for yeah. me, that's the that's the leap you need to make to be like, okay, it makes sense because you just need to accept time travel as a real mm-hmm. thing, even though it's not. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. And, and one of the things I wrote in my notes was that, like, it it's a film that challenges its viewers to think while it's watching, which I always appreciate in a film. And so it's, I, I don't see this film as something that, like, you put on in the background unless you've right. seen it, like, a hundred times you know right, what i mean yeah, yeah. so like it, it's definitely like an active viewing film and so i remember the first time i watched it i was kind of blown away because i was like whoa like i had to use my brain it was great <laughs> and so watching it the second time like knowing how it ends and then kind of picking out the little things in between i think it it's kind of like a fun I don't know. I'm a big film nerd, so maybe it's just me, but it's like, it's kind of fun to kind of put the pieces together knowing how it's going to end up. And it's, it's interesting when like, like I'm watching this video where they're like breaking down the aspects of like this version of time travel. And it's like, 
I could have done probably without seeing that and still get a pretty good idea in my mind of like what's going on. Like, right. Yeah. There, there's a clear thing with Donnie that like he is either completely crazy, delusional. He's made up most of this movie, like in his mind right before the turbine comes down and kills him. Yeah. Or there's some supernatural element happening here that only he can see. And I think when you watch this movie, you kind of have to make the choice of like which one you want to believe. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading that theory a lot online. And I, I remember like that was for a while, that was what I thought that it was just like, oh, it's all in his head. But now I think I land on the like, nope, the time travel is real. It's just. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, right, it's a movie. Like, so it's not, it doesn't have to be like. Like the scene where they explain the time travel, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, like I get what they're doing, but I'm like, I didn't even really need that. I feel like the, the time travel is just like you accept that time travel happened because it's a, you know, sci-fi e type movie. Yeah, yeah. But also, I, I do like. I think this is maybe I realized this and I forgot it. Just has been so long, but it, this is one of the few times, one of the first times I think that I realized explicitly that the teacher played by Noah Wiley says like, "Oh, like a spacecraft." And, like, that's how time travel would happen, and they're in the plane, and that's why the plane, like... Yeah. Well, he says something like like a spacecraft or any metal vessel will do. And so when you see that, like, oh, the plane is coming down, and then the turbine goes through one of those little tunnel things, it's like, we've already suspended a little bit of disbelief because Donnie's seeing things that it's not far out of the imagination to be like, oh, okay, yeah, like, that makes sense. Like, that's how the movie starts. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so speaking about, I wanted to say that I love the opening. I think this opening is like so good. And I love the Echo and the Bunny Man song, uh, Killing Moon. I like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, ooh, I'm going to make a playlist of all the songs from this movie later after we record because they're all <laughs> so good. The soundtrack to this movie is fucking stellar. I love oh, it. Oh, absolutely. The score even, like yeah. just not even thinking about the the songs with lyrics is beautiful Mm -hmm. and that's why i think this movie is like a perfect storm of things because right like that clearly that's like i mean richard kelly i'm sure had like veto power but like he got the right people they got the right people to like do the music and like like you said not even just the soundtrack of the songs with lyrics but like the like i think of that scene um i think we've all seen bonanza at the pta meeting the like right pulsing music that's playing Mm -hmm. is so good yeah yeah, it really is. And it's, it, I mean, it's great. But one of the things I had thought of watching it this time is that it it kind of, the scenes that don't involve like Frank or Donnie in like a darker tone of the movie, there's a lot of like kind of classic rom-com-y things going on. And it's almost like they were like, all right, let's make a rom-com with these kids. But like everything feels a little off. Like throughout yeah. the whole thing, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I think if this movie, like, I think if Richard Kelly had written this now, that it would be a really good, like, limited Netflix series. Yeah, because we get. I think all the characters are just really good. I mean, I mean, I'm, I know that I just mentioned the beginning, so I'm going back to like that scene at the kitchen table with like him and his sister. Like, you know, give us a bottle episode where we learn about the sisters. You know, a right. day in the sisters' life and like, or day in the parents' life. Uh, I, yeah, I think, yeah, it's like, it has all those, like, tropes of, like, rom-com and teen movies, 
but it's like, but everything's just like a little bit Twin Peaksy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great way to describe it. Actually, <laughs> everything just feels like slightly off and a little absurd. Yeah, and I think like when I was watching it this first time, I had forgotten like the scene at the kitchen table, and I'm like, this is so normal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it feels so normal in comparison to what I know is going to happen at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, they look like the perfect family, but then, you know, the kids are still cursing each other off the kitchen table and the right. parents are having to yell at them, which like, yeah, that's normal. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you, cause I thought it was interesting. Like, so in the beginning when the turbine comes down and Donnie isn't there, hmm. like that's a pretty life changing event, right? Like a turbine came in your house, you you escaped to death. And I feel like it's very minimal to everybody. It's like, oh, we're all okay. Like, that's fine. And like, it kind of, like, you can't talk about it, but they talk about it a little. And it's like, this was a huge thing. <laughs> like, was I, that yeah. just me? <laughs> it's like, but half part of your house got demolished by an unknown engine, like engine, like just not even like they placed it anywhere. Uh, right. I did. Did you, I don't know if you read this. And I then I had read this like back in the day that a lot of the like quote unquote weird characters you see are supposed to be like FAA agents following. Yes, them. I did see that. Yeah, uh-huh, like like the man in the tracksuit. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of think I really liked details like that. I know some people probably find it pretentious, and like realistically, <laughs> it probably is. But I love that shit. I love details like that that like you don't need for the story but like enhance for like people like us that have seen it multiple times mm-hmm. we can like be like oh yeah i know what that dude is um i like shit like that because i think that's good storytelling where it doesn't damage it not to know but it can enhance it to know if that makes sense absolutely. yeah no absolutely I, I think it's fun to find layers and like from like an academic standpoint like i love doing research so yeah. the fact that like seeing things like that it it, it had it has, like you said, like it enhances it just like that little extra bit because it feels like, oh, I know something that the characters don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It kind of becomes a little interactive, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think you're right that like the uh, engine falling in your room. I mean, for me, it's like it makes sense that Donnie wouldn't talk about it, but. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like no one else really talks about it. It's like the family. But they also. So I, the movie takes place over like a month mm-hmm. and I guess they just like rebuild his room, right? Like pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they got that FAA money and they were like, yeah. well, we're going to get it done fast. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like has, there's no real like, and I think that might be in the director's cut. I can't remember, but I feel like there's like a scene where it's like his room is under construction and like you see that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I maybe would have like but again i just love this movie so much that i'm like okay sure all right (laughs) (laughs) uh but i also wanted it so i even think that opening school scene is so good where tears for fears plays Mm -hmm. and it's just like we're going we're like meeting we're like meeting the high school cast right yeah 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 And, and none of them are really like main characters aside from like um Gretchen and uh, Kitty Farmer, who Kitty Farmer, I think, is like very iconic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she would totally be a Trump supporter in 2020. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking that watching it. I was like, oh shit, she would like 100% be like wearing a like Trump Pence shirt. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> but like, she's such a well done character, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I love, and I love a high school setting. I mean, I'm a 37 year old adult who just loves high school setting. I don't know. <laughs> it always always works for me. 
<laughs> well, it definitely like, and I was watching it this time, getting a lot of like craft vibes from it because it's got that Catholic school setting, yeah, and yeah. it's something that I'm familiar with because um, I did Christian school for a bunch of years. So mm. like, when I see movies like that, I'm like. I know these people. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you've got this like kind of pseudo tracking shot, like bouncing between characters and like Drew Barrymore and Patrick Swayze and, you know, Beth Grant, who's Kitty Farmer, Jenna Malone. Like it's funny watching it now. I'm like, I know them and I know them and I know them. (laughs) I know them. It's like never ending of just like people that you recognize from other things and like just forget we're in this movie for like a hot second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, yeah. I mean, like we said earlier though, like Seth Rogen wasn't even famous then. <laughs> yeah. Like crazy. And he's and not I, like a stoner in this movie either. He's just like a straight character bully. Yeah. Which is yeah. Funny. <laughs> which yeah he didn't do his signature stoner he didn't do his signature just playing seth rogan character right (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no i and and i the thing they also do really well is i think which they do in this scene it's like they're establishing everything but like the slow motion which they do quite a few times while music plays i think they do it the cinematography is just so good yeah Uh, you know because it like it shows the bus upside down and then the like camera like kind of does a turn Mm-hmm. Um, while it's all in slow motion. And I, I don't know, I think that, and then like the scene, I think, I think when they play the like pulsing, it's like they show Kitty Farmer. No, this is a different scene. I don't even remember the music in that scene is really good though. When <laughs> Kitty Farmer is like celebrating the win for sparkle motion and her arms like go up in the air. And then yeah. the other secretary holds up the newspaper saying Patrick Swayze like was accused of being a pedophile. Right. And her face just like frowns. Mm-hmm. I, they do that so well in this movie of like slow motion, uh, slow motion exposition almost where it's like, oh, here's the thing that's happening. We're going to do it slow motion and play like a really cool score over it. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, visual storytelling rather than just yeah. like handing it to us in in a dialogue platter. It's like, you know what's going on, but just like observe it rather yeah. than having <laughs> us tell you outright, <laughs> which I think is fun. Um And <laughs> Drew Barrymore's teacher character. I mean, I I appreciate that she her production company produced this movie. She was like the reason it got put out. But her character is like very much not needed. But I love that right. her character has like <laughs> the wildly inappropriate line of like telling Gretchen like sit next to whoever you think is the cutest. I'm like, yeah, dude, that's like so inappropriate, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, she's definitely like that from the get go. She feels like the the character who. Like she got this job at a Catholic school and she's like, oh, well, I don't have anything else. I guess I'll just teach right, here. Yeah. <laughs> and so she's like teaching whatever she wants. And then she gets in trouble for the um, the book that she teaches about uh, flooding the house and destroying right. it from the inside. And she's like, well, what, what, do you, what do you mean I can't teach that? That's insane. <laughs> and then she gets fired and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But like even a character like that, right? She still has like an arc that happens mm-hmm. in the story, which I think is really great. It's like she has, still has this arc that could be cut, but doesn't feel doesn't really crowd the movie, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's it's interesting to see all of these arcs come together. One and two, how it. I wondered when I was done the movie, like how different the storyline would be after Donnie's dead. Because he touches every single one of those storylines. So, like, right. 
how different would this movie be? Because, <laughs> like, I think this the fact that the school floods gets pinned on Drew Barrymore's character because she taught this book. Right. But if the school doesn't flood, does she keep her job? Like, is she still there? Or did Kitty come in and was like, not in my school? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah butterfly effect man <laughs> right it's it's it definitely a film that makes you think i'll tell you that <laughs> uh and then i we get the scene of grandma death uh, oh yeah who i often use a photo of her as a reaction photo on twitter whenever i feel <laughs> old which at 37 on twitter happens a lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I kind of forgot how many iconic lines, like, there, you know how, like, you just, like, you'll say lines in passing from something that you love, but you kind of, you say them so often you forget, like, where. Like, the it, context? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I kind of forgot the, like, I met a new friend today, real or imaginary. Yeah. Um, with his therapist. I, like, you know, when he's like, oh, no dice, grandma, when they're watching grandma death, I say that with, like, no dice with grandma attached to it. Um, There's so many lines in this movie that watching it now, I'm like, holy shit, I say so many of these lines in everyday, like, interactions that I forgot were from this movie. (laughs) Right. Well, and it's funny, because, like, so you had picked Donnie Darko, and then I had had a social distancing um, meeting with my friends where we just, like, had a couple drinks outside. Mm. And I had actually picked up a, a cider and it's from a brand called Bean Nectar Cider, but the actual bottle that I picked up is called Stupid Man Suit, and it has a picture of Donnie Darko on it. And I was like, I have to buy this. Because <laughs> I had also forgotten about that interaction where he's like, why are you wearing that stupid bunny yeah, suit? And why yeah. are you wearing that stupid man suit? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on grandma death just because i'm curious because i feel like she has such an integral role in in this movie like in the narrative but she's it's very minimal you know what i mean yeah i mean so i i tried to find a quote there was i remember reading you know 500 years ago on the internet uh (laughs) i remember reading like a quote from richard kelly when he said that there was supposed to be people that knew what was going on. There was like characters and like Sharita Chen was supposed to be one of those characters that like she knew what was going on and that they felt that everything was off. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, for me, grandma death, it's like, she's that, but she also like a hundred percent knows the time travel. Right. Cause she wrote that book that he reads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I, I appreciate, I appreciate the idea that like, in this world, if we're accepting that time travel's real and that's what happened to Donnie, we kind of have to accept that, like, it might have happened to her, too, and that's why she's, you know, the way she is and, like, mostly catatonic. Right. Um, but that's why she speaks to Donnie and no one else. Mm-hmm. Like, other than that, she's just checking her mail. So, like, one could assume, which is what I've always assumed about her, that there was, like, something that, like, she had been waiting for and she was stuck, she got stuck in a loop that, like, she did get the mail that she wanted or something. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I So I always liked the idea of time travel in like a limited scope where like, you know, Donnie has this month and then it just goes back. Right. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of X-Men, but if you read any X-Men comics, once you get into time travel, it's like, well, this makes no sense. Um, right. <laughs> you know, even Avengers Endgame, I don't know if you're a huge Marvel fan. Um 
Yes, I I'm familiar with their their version oh. of time travel. <laughs> and I mean, I love that movie. I cried through the last 30 minutes of that goddamn movie. I cried. Yeah. But like once you think about it a little bit, it's like they break their own time travel rules, which were like so minimum and like still nothing matters. <laughs> right. Right. So like that shit really bothers me, like especially if you set your time travel rules and then you break them and then mm-hmm. still nothing bad happens. Uh but in this movie, it's like the time travel, there aren't any time travel rules, but also it's like a loop, right? Like the, it, it begins with the, the engine falling in his room and ends with the engine falling in his room. So right. at the very least, we're like, oh, well, so in this, this time he was just there in his room and mm-hmm. now he's dead. And so like, we yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like, even if you don't get the time travel part, you just know that that's what happened. Well, it's consistent. So yeah. we don't necessarily have to question it as much, I think. Yeah. I don't know that I answered your question about grandma death, but <laughs> no, I think I think that's good. It's it's interesting the the fact that she keeps checking her mail and then Donnie sends her a letter. Yeah, because it makes me wonder if she keeps checking the mail waiting for that letter. Oh, which you know what you're probably right. That's probably what it is. I always just thought it like oh some trauma happened, but yeah, you're probably right. It's probably Donnie that she's waiting for. I mean, I, that's the only thing I can think of is like her the big roles for her are she's the one who wrote the book. She's the one who stands in front of the car that causes um, Frank to swerve and hit Gretchen instead. Um, And then the going back and forth to the mailbox, the only thing I can like kind of connect the dots to is like, she's waiting for Donnie's letter, but in the time travel aspect of things, it's like, okay, if she's in the alternate timeline that then goes back, does she ever get that letter? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and like, yeah, and also, I I guess like, is it all because of that? Like, she's waiting for the mail. She's standing in the street because she's when we first meet her, she's standing in the street, and his dad almost hits her. Right. So, like, Mm -hmm. I guess it's just like her repeating the same two things over and over again. Maybe I don't know when she goes to the bathroom. What? (laughs) That's a great question. (laughs) I have questions that need answers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, it's so interesting, her character, because she seems looking back on the film, she seems so important, but right. she has such a small part, like on screen, I guess, is the best way to yeah. say it. Yeah. I it's mean, just, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, but I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nice. Cause again, it's a lot to think about and dissect, um, and she she also says that great line to Donnie of like we all what is it we all die alone or all, something yeah yeah and then he has that great line of I don't want to be alone which I think is like the epitome of of his character traits of just not wanting to feel alone all the time yeah just super relatable <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. I think I think every teenager is like I don't want to be alone with my thoughts I mean God even as an adult same yeah. <laughs> Big mood. (laughs) (laughs) So then we get Gretchen and Donnie meeting each other. Yes. They like talk outside of school. And I put in my notes that like, I definitely am like when I saw this, thought it was like the peak of like cool angsty chemistry for teens. And like now looking back on it, it's like, oh, they're just like, they're being like teens who think they're different. But I still Mm -hmm. love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, absolutely. And you'd think... 
because when they talk, she says, my dad has like behavioral dis- or emotional disorders. And he's like, oh, me too. You'd think that'd be like a red flag for her to be like, I better <laughs> run. <laughs> but no, she's like, sure, I'll go with you. Like, no big deal. And I'm like, girl, what? <laughs> <laughs> also, in my notes right after this, I put, how hot is Jake? Good God. <laughs> <laughs> that man and he like is still hot like he was hot in spider-man too (laughs) oh yes 100 (laughs) percent. yeah and it's like when they kiss for the first time i was like oh like regardless of anything else it's like it's it's really like sweet and like romantic and all that stuff and you're like so many red flags in this relationship but i don't even care (laughs) because that's a good kiss and you know it (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) so donnie floods the school Yes, Donnie floods the school, which is a direct correlation to this book that he's yeah. reading in class. And, and then Frank, I don't, I don't Frank know. Frank tells him to. Yeah. Yes, I don't know if you noticed the. I mean, I think this is in the notes as well, but I remember the like. He made me do it is written the same way that Frank's note on the refrigerator at the end yes. is written. Yeah, it's like the uh-huh. same handwriting. Mm-hmm. And like you know, shit like that is what I really appreciate because it is like. It, it's like tying up things like that, but like it's also fine if you didn't notice it, right? Like, does it right. take away? Yeah, exactly. It's just like those extra little hidden layers that you can access, which makes yeah. it fun. Uh, then we get the Smurf scene, which honestly I'd forgotten about. <laughs> <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> I, uh, no, go ahead. Oh, so I also read in the trivia on IMDb that like Richard Kelly spoke with the whoever like held the rights to Smurf at the time, I heard the name of the company and they said that it was an accurate discussion. So they allowed him to keep it in. (laughs) (laughs) I think that scene is so funny because it's such like a teen boy dialogue between his friends of like, Oh, we need a Smurfette, blah, blah, blah. And you know, she can have sex with all of us and like that, that would be her thing. And then Donnie comes in and is like, actually Smurfette was made by, and like a total (laughs) smarty pants, like ruins the whole scenario. (laughs) And they even say, like, why you gotta be so smart about everything? Right, right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it's, I mean, what a, it almost seems out of place, perfectly in place in this movie. Like, within the context scope of, like, the scene doesn't technically propel the story forward, I guess, other than to, like, show them as being rebellious, if that makes sense. Yeah. But it's just fun. It's just really fun dialogue to have in like a this strange, thought provoking movie. Well, right, because like like I said, th- this feels like this scene is devoid of all context. It still like works as a scene. Like, oh, you see that they're like, you know, these three shitty teen boys like sitting around smashing shit and then like right. making jokes about the grandma and talking about dicks, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think like that would be a scene in a Netflix show about like three teen boys or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Totally nailed nail on the head. Like if you take out all of the, I guess, less dark and supernatural, you still get an interesting kind of life movie, I guess, about this, about this wide eyed teen who just doesn't want to be alone. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and like, I, I don't know, I, I I kept thinking at times, man, this movie is really pretentious, but like, I still love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, so what makes you think, what makes you say, oh, it's a little pretentious? Um, also, 
I, so I, I wrote like a whole fiction manuscript that I did like a book trailer for and never went anywhere. I didn't get it published or an agent or anything, but like watching this movie again for the first time in such a long time, I'm like, God, I think that book is like uh, borders on Donnie Darko fan fiction, but just gayer. <laughs> Because it's like I have a, I have like a time travel, but I made sure it was just a loop, and I'm there's like you know, there's also like I make sure that the characters all have like strong personalities, and everyone's like very standoutish, but like there's still like the time travel part. Um, I think it's a little. I mean, I think it's pretentious that there's so many references going on, mm-hmm. and like the Graham Green reference, uh, the the fact that like oh he is, you know, that is something that happened in the story that they're reading and. The, the whole, like, time travel aspect of it, Don, and Donnie is such, like, an angsty straight boy, uh, <laughs> I just, I don't know, I, I do think, and I mean, I, I, there's nothing wrong with it, I, I just think it is, like, the way it, it almost, like, it, it also, I mean, but this, not a lot of movies do this, it, it all of the stuff ties together fairly well, I think. Um, in a way that a lot of movies don't and don't need to. And I don't think this movie needed to tie everything together, but it does it so well. And I think it knows it does it so well that it almost at times is like Richard Kelly's winking at himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think those are all good points. And I think I think you're right. I think a lot, especially I, I would say nowadays, there's a lot of like more indie films, a lot of the A24 films. There's, yeah. I feel like there's, unanswered questions at the end whereas this kind of gives you the ending with like a bow of like well there's nothing else really yeah yeah and so i think there's something kind of cathartic about that of like okay donnie is under the plane turbine and that's it that's the end of the story like everything else is fine and so granted in my mind i'm like yes let's continue to question the ending of this film and and dissect it and blah 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 but like it's not necessarily needed so maybe that is part of the pretension (laughs) (laughs) like i I think richard kelly's probably a really smart stoner and he probably knows he's really smart (laughs) (laughs) i think that's probably true (laughs) uh so then there's also the lifeline scene which i love where they cut as soon as like i love donnie's like being such a shit and not going along but he's right right like she is conflating feelings to just fear or love which is like i mean you said you went to you know uh religious school it is like mm-hmm. some religious school bullshit that they would do yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and i the like i feel like that's like a thing on like twitter and like reddit where it's like perfectly cut screens where the person like just goes starts to yell and then it cuts off i love that it does that here yeah, where we don't see him yell at her, but we see him take a deep breath and turn. Right, and then it's just like now they're in the principal's office. Yeah, it's like oh, something went down. <laughs> you can't just lump everything into these two categories and then just deny everything else. If you don't complete the assignment, you'll get a zero for the day. Donald. Let me preface this by saying that your Iowa test scores are intimidating so let's go over this again what exactly did you say to Ms. Farmer I'll tell you what he said he asked me to forcibly insert the lifeline exercise cart into my anus (coughs) 
And the way she delivers that line of like, she told me to forcibly shove the card into my anus is so good. <laughs> well, and I had read that uh, when Kelly was on set, he had to like leave because he kept laughing so hard every time she said that line. He was like, I know you'll do it fine. I have to go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she does. She does a really good job of like, yeah delivering it like earnestly but it's like hilarious well and i love she says it and his dad um yeah <laughs> pretends to cough because he had laughed for a second because yeah. <laughs> so good because i well, feel and, like the, the parents know she's an asshole right like, right right well and then it just exacerbates the point because then she says all those horrible things to his mom of right. like oh well you need to go home and pray about it and things like that and it's like Oh, <laughs> wow. <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, you're a dick. <laughs> right. And I love, I love when his parents go to see his therapist and she's like, well, he cursed out a teacher and his dad's like, well, it wasn't out. It wasn't a, I don't, I don't think yeah. it was wrong per se. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think both the parents are really good too. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I forget. God, now I'm forgetting. Did I put it in my? I forget the actress's name who plays the mom. But Mary McCon- uh, Mc- yeah, McDonald. Mary yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. been in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they definitely have that kind of nuclear family feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without being too much of a nuclear family, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're supportive of their kids, yeah. which is always fun. And like they just want the best for Donnie and like. Like, even in that scene with the therapist, they're like, well, if you think that's going to help him, like, if more right. medication or more therapy is going to help him, then, like, we're on board because they just want him to be happy and to, to thrive. And I'm like, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. It is it is nice. And, then, like, we often get a lot of, you know, it's like we if if it's like a kid's depressed it's usually like we'll get like oh these parents are assholes this is why but it's like no they're supportive and they want their kids to do well and they want to help their kids and i kind of like that right because you can still be depressed and a mess even if your parents are supportive like that doesn't right always mean that you're gonna be like uh you know doing everything perfectly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and there's definitely something to be said about like like they are supportive I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, oh, I, in a lot of, I think, like, teen movies where, like, the kids are depressed, I feel like the old school answer for parents was, oh, well, just, you know, get over it. Like, yeah, stop thinking that way. And, like, that's not the case here. They're very much like, what's going on with you? Like, you're going to a therapist and how do we help things? And, like, from a, you know, from a background kind of perspective, like, they're always trying to help their kids out, which is so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but- and it's nice to see. And yeah, I just, I, I really like the parents. I always, I mean, I know that Mary McDonald's been in like a bajillion other things, but I always think of her as like the like supportive mom from Donnie Darko who cares about her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's even, which we, I forgot to mention that scene in the beginning when she has to talk with Donnie and then she leaves and he goes, bitch, after yeah. she's left. And she's like, well, our son just called me a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> dad, the dad says, well, you're not a bitch, but you're bitching. <laughs> yeah. It's like such corny parent talk, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's sweet that like it, it shows that they still care about each other, which I, I think is lacking from a lot of like, I think, yeah. older school movies. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So I think especially back then it was more, I mean, back then yeah. I, I was, I graduated high school that year, but still, <laughs> uh, like I think a lot of back then it was like the parents had to be like mean for the character to be, not be perfect. Right. Right. And Versus that's not, that's not true. Now. That's just not true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we get, uh, the movie theater scene, which I feel like is like the scene that everyone thinks of with Donnie Darko. Right. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. The like image of like the two of them and she's asleep and Frank's a few He's seats there. down from them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's like a little Donnie Darko scene that people think of. And it's, I mean, it's well done too. I, I, it's really good. I mean, like you said, that's where you get the line. Like, why are you wearing that stupid human suit? Why are you wearing that stupid bunny suit? Why are you wearing that stupid man suit? So good. So good. And it's the first time that you see Frank without his mask. Yeah. And I think there's a, a thought, at least when I had first watched it, I was like, it's going to be Donnie. Like Donnie's thinking about himself. Mm. It's going to be mm. Donnie. And then it's not. And you're like, <laughs> who is this person? <laughs> and then the payoff, it does pay off. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. Oh, man. And I mean, not to jump. I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but to jump ahead a little bit that when they're all the people who are left alive after Donnie's done, they have that montage of of everybody from the movie, basically mm-hmm. um, waking up in the middle of the night. And you have Frank, who's been drawing the mask right. for like multiple times and then like having this mask. You, I can only assume he made it. And it's like, what made him make it? What? <laughs> I have questions. I want more about Frank's backstory, just in general, of like, how does he fit into this whole thing? And I think he's like hanging out with Donnie's sister? Question mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, he's involved, but you don't see him until the very end, which makes it even better. Yeah, because he's driving that red car that like drops her off. That yeah. we see Donnie like ride past on his bicycle in the beginning. Which I remember not making that connection till like my like fifth watch. <laughs> right, right. All those and little I, subtle things. And I kind of like that it's like, oh, he's the one hanging out with his sister, but we never see them. Like, we don't see that. We just, you put those pieces together. Mm-hmm. I love the moment when, because the other guy in the clown costume in the car is just like calling out for Frank. Like, Frank, like, yeah. like Frank, what what's going on, Frank? And you're like, oh, yeah it's it's kind of like a face crack moment of like who do you mean frank (laughs) who do you mean (laughs) right yeah yeah and yeah i i love that and so going back to the soundtrack i they play joy division (laughs) when they first like are having sex or going to have sex and i i love that song level tears (laughs) apart and i like for me it's like the donnie darko song (laughs) (laughs) like i don't think in 2001 i like really listen to joy division but i mm-hmm. i think i like downloaded all these songs on like napster or whatever would have been Ooh. around maybe kazaa whatever would have been around back then oh boy <laughs> got some lime wire action yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I like remember looking for all those songs like looking up what they were and then like downloading them all on whatever right it might absolutely. have not been napster at that point it might have been like lime wire uh but whatever was the like pirate platform at the yeah. time yeah 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 no, oh i remember 
Oh, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And so they have sex. And I, I was wondering this time if like it's supposed to be like a, that's like a horror trope, right? Because it's like they have sex and then she dies and he goes through this trauma. Ooh. And I wonder if it's like, well, because like, you know how that's like, the, like they mention it a million times in Scream, how like, oh, you have sex, you lose your virginity, then you die. Right. Right. So I was well, wondering if that, that was like, like. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I had not thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> just because i yeah that's interesting just blew my mind a little bit that makes <laughs> that makes total sense of like oh she's lost her virginity now she gets hit by a car um, well and they also get attacked by these bullies it's like right oh you've had sex and now things go wrong like, like everything that, goes wrong yeah right, everything goes wrong like that is straight out of like horror 101 essentially yeah Ooh. Uh, also I need to point out. Yes. Donnie in his gray hoodie and skeleton costume looks right. He looks so good. Yes. And I have, that has been a Halloween costume approximately like 8,000 times for me. (laughs) But the last time I did it um, was when I was still living in New York. Mm -hmm. And I, what I did was I like looked at the numbers and I drew the numbers in the like handwriting on my arm. Cause I was like, Oh, that way people really know who it is because a lot of times people would be like, I don't know. You're a skeleton. I'd be like, no, the gray hoodie. Come right. on. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, I'll put the numbers on my arm. And I was uh, photographing at Stonewall. They hired me to photograph for Halloween. Ugh, Becky, let me tell you, no <gasps> one knew who I was. And three people <gasps> thought I was supposed to be a Holocaust victim. And I was like, what? <gasps> No, I would never dress like, what are you talking about? Like, well, the number's on your arm. And I was like, ah. no. okay, well, I'll never do this again. Thank you. <laughs> First off, I think it's too many numbers to be a Holocaust victim. <laughs> I love First that. Like, well, actually. <laughs> well, and also those those numbers are huge on his arm. Yeah. And, and the handwriting, like, it's very specific. Distinct, yeah. <laughs> oh, that yeah. makes me sad. <laughs> so that I was just like, well, I'll never put the numbers on my arm again when I dress as him and I'll just go oh. as where people think I'm a skeleton. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that makes but, me so sad. <laughs> so other than that, other than putting the numbers on, it's like one of my favorite like easy costumes to do. Because like, right, like if you know, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're Donnie Darko. But, you know, some people just don't. Which is yeah. Fine. <laughs> See, now I sound pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> Get educated. You'll know who I am. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I I love low key like kind of costume cosplays for um for Halloween. They're like right? my favorite. Because granted, yeah. I I consume media like an addict, yeah. so I know a decent amount of them. And so like seeing them out and about, I'm like, oh, I get it. I got you. <laughs> 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 Which is also fun to to receive, be like, yes, that person yeah. knows film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I did read, just going back to the, the movie um, theater scene, that they were supposed, they were trying to get the rights for another film. And uh, the director, whoever is responsible, was like, well, you can use Evil Dead, like, that's fine. And that's why it's in the film. <laughs> Yeah, but I th- yeah. I think it's so great that they used Evil Dead because that is like a, I'd say like a staple like classic horror film yeah. amidst this like strange cerebral thriller horror sci-fi <laughs> thing going on. Yeah, no, and I I actually I know some people don't, but I really love a pop culture reference. Like I love if uh, something is like I think about this a lot, especially with my 
podcast since I talk about Buffy so often, like mm-hmm. what media exists in the universe of this media? Yes. And I kind of, I like, like I remember I had a writing class undergrad where a professor was very, she came down very strongly against, like you don't say they're drinking a Coke or a Pepsi, you make up a name. But for me, I think that's distracting. Yeah, I'd say I so. I prefer it to be a real thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't always need to like dwell on it, but like I think it's distracting if it's not a real thing to me. Yeah, I mean, sense. no, absolutely. I mean, even if you go to um, like the old school Nick shows, I'm thinking of Zoe 101 where they have like the pair computers rather than Apple. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I remember thinking like I was focusing so much energy on that that I don't remember anything that happens like in the show, basically. <laughs> they had right. they had pair computers. <laughs> and like, um, I remember bringing it back to Buffy. Buffy was yes. the first TV show that had an Apple computer on it. Really? Yeah, I did not like, know that. And it's the first show that used the word Google. Like Willow says, "Oh, we can Google her about this like teen in their school," and that was like the first time anyone used Google that way. Yeah. And for me, that's less distracting because they're just using the real things, right? Yeah, Those are, words it's like, we yes. know. Yeah, yeah, it's like we know what that is, uh, and I that's always how I prefer than to say like uh, Google me," you know? Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that. And that's true. It is much less distracting. It's something like, and again, like those little things that like I hadn't quite put my finger on or like thought of yet. So that's fun. <laughs> so um, I wanted to get your, the a thing that always a little bit bothered me was like when Gretchen gets hit by a, the car, mm-hmm. it's really weird, right? Yes. Like the way... I, I don't know. The way her body moves, it looks like too much like she's not hit run over. Because she's not hit. She's literally like run over. Yes. Uh-huh. And I mean, I guess ratings and whatever, but there's like no blood. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, I guess they don't want it to be like a mangled body that he's carrying, but that for me, that always felt a little bit distracting. That like her body looks perfectly intact with just with her eyes closed, but like Yeah. It was run over by a car. Like, not that I want to see her all like covered in blood, right. but <laughs> Maybe they could do like a little bit of like some, like a, a few bruises or a, I don't know, you yeah, know? Like, yeah, like those dainty cuts on like maybe right. the forehead or the cheek or something. Right. Like not enough to make her look, you know, totally gory. Smushed. But right. yeah, smushed, to, you know, but just enough to like accentuate like, oh, she's dead. <laughs> right. Like it's just like, I don't know why. Like I know that it's, you know, a movie from 2001, but that always right. bothered me that like, they literally run, like, she's under the wheels, but there's no blood at all. Right. Because I, I think that would uh, be, like, a pretty good image if Donnie's carrying her and he has, like, blood on him. Yeah. No, I think that would be a very, a very different looking ending, I think. Yeah. In yeah. general. I think it's interesting. I get a little mad when she gets run over by the car, only because, like, yes, she had a knife to her throat and, like, I think the point is that like she's trying to catch her breath. She's coughing. Like maybe he choked her a little, mm. but she doesn't get out of the road. Right. Yeah. And Seth Rogen says, Oh, there's a car coming. And I'm like, girl, get out of the road. Which, <laughs> which granted, like, I know it's the point that like she gets run over, but I'm just mad. I'm like, girl, you could have gotten up. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, like if like he had knocked her out or like punched her and she was unconscious, it's like, oh, okay, that's why. But yeah, yeah. And like she regains a little bit of consciousness enough to say Donnie before she gets right. hit by the car. But like she's yeah. conscious and like gasping and breathing for air, but she's not moving. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, girl, get, get up. up. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I, I think that's a good point of there's not a lot of, and maybe it's just because it's a thinking film more than a, yeah, more than a, like a visceral horror film. Because even when he shoots Frank in the eye, you don't necessarily see it. The only time right. you really see it is when Frank takes off his mask yeah. in the movie theater. Right. Yeah. And I will say that Jake commits to the, like his hysterical line of like, when he yells at the clown, go home, tell your parents everything will be okay. And like, it's mm-hmm. still, I got choked up watching it this time. And I was like, fuck, he is so good because that's, I mean, he's, the line is written as like, oh, Donnie's hysterical because, you know, his girlfriend just got run over by a car and he just murdered someone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes you say like stupid shit when you're just like feeling absolutely unhinged. And I don't know, I think it works and he like commits. And I don't know, I, I love, I think, I don't know that I don't know that I love it is the right word, but I think it's really well done. You know, absolutely. And and it's interesting because it's it's another shout out from like Drew Barrymore's character because he's like, right. Well, what do I tell them when they ask about you? And she goes, Just tell them everything will be okay. Yeah. And so he's still sticking to that mentality because he had also said it to uh to Sharita of like everything's gonna be yeah. fine. Um so he's like, it's like the last thing he's only holding on to almost right. of like, if I say this, it might be true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, in the way he's like yelling it and the way he looks and like, you see like spit come out of his mouth. Like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. he has, that's the only thing he can hold on to is that like, eventually it'll be okay. Yeah. And like, kind of it is for him kind of, I mean, his girlfriend doesn't die, but he dies. <laughs> like he right. saves everyone and his, you know, his mom and his sister don't die because mm-hmm. he saves them. But yeah. But yeah, it's like he he's kind of the sacrificial lamb in order to like mm-hmm. make sure that everyone else is okay in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's great in this movie though. <laughs> he is. He really is. <laughs> I love every time because I was noticing it a little bit more watching it this time of like there's regular Donnie who like you can see when he's like fine and lucid and then there's I like either hallucination or like vision Donnie where his head is down a little bit and he looks up and he's a little darker and there's like a physical different feeling to these different aspects of himself, which I think is just so well executed just yeah. in general. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, and like I think it's a credit to his acting. It's like the writing and the acting coming together. Ugh, great. Yeah, very good. Well, and then there's also um, Patrick Swayze's character and oh his God, whole right. arc, which is so, so weird. weird. <laughs> I mean, Patrick Swayze, who, granted, the internet is like, he was such a sweetie. He was so professional, this and right, the other. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of stories about how great he is. And then to see him arrested for having like kitty porn in his right. home, I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 I can't believe they got him to agree to this part where he has like maybe 10, maybe 15 lines. Right. And like most of them are in that like fake infomercial thing. <laughs> and then he like is arrested for pedophilia. And it's like, holy shit, how did they get someone so famous to do this? Right. Oh my God. I feel like Drew Barrymore called in a favor or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so interesting that, you know, you have kitty who is just like this is the way that you deal with life like this is a great philosophy to have and then she's also the one who's like 
it's a lie. I'm doing his defense and we're going to yeah. get him out because he's a good person. And it's like, it's again, that kind of like blind faith about somebody with Kitty of like, no, this isn't true. <laughs> he has godly values. That's not true. Just again, she would be a Trump supporter. Yes. <laughs> 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 yes. Uh huh. <laughs> we're not and, political here. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, also, I love that. So I we didn't talk about that scene. I love when Kitty goes to see the mom. Oh yeah, outside the house because the mom clearly can't stand her, and like I mean, she's already been a shithead to the to Donnie's mother. Yeah, but like, and she even clearly doesn't want to be asking her for her help, and like says like you're the last person I'd ask. Right. <laughs> and you know, I I think that scene, they're both so good. And his mom is just like the I think that actor does really good. She doesn't show her emotions as much, you know, mm. and we see that at the end when she's smoking. And for me, that's like so impactful where mm. everyone else is like smoking and she's just like stress smoking a cigarette. Right. You know, she doesn't really wear her emotions on the outside. But because that actor is such a good actor, it's like we see how annoyed she is immediately by Kitty Farmer coming to her house. She doesn't really care that much about the dance squad. She's like, all right, whatever. It's my daughter's thing. Right. Like, <laughs> and I don't know. I just really appreciate that. And also the like, you're, I, I, uh, what is it? I doubt your commitment to, no, I, oh, shit, what the hell is, oh, sometimes doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion is just, right. it's perfect. <laughs> I have like a pin on my bag that just says Sparkle Motion in pink. <laughs> yes. Love that. <laughs> I just that dialogue is so fun because you can see it as like like Kitty has no filter basically right. and so she's like this is how I feel about you and like she's not registering that like that might piss somebody off if you talk to them like that especially asking them for help <laughs> right it's like you you need a favor from me like maybe you should be a little nicer but that does not register for kitty she's just like this needs to be done but i have something to do and i've already asked all the other mothers so you need to do it and then you have donnie darko's mom who's just like smiling through her teeth like right well i guess <laughs> <laughs> so good such good dialogue in this whole film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and now I'm just repeating myself, but again, <laughs> that's what I look for. Like in this, like I, I feel a lot of times, I mean, that's why I really do like the Marvel movies. I think the dialogue is fun and enjoyable aside from like really cool action scenes. Um, <laughs> I always want my like supernatural sci-fi fantasy stuff. I, I think lots of times, I mean, not as much anymore, but a lot of times, especially back then, the dialogue kind of wasn't always a hundred percent. Right. Like when I, the few times I've revisited Star Trek The Next Generation on Netflix, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this is boring. Right. <laughs> like I get kind of <laughs> bored. And I think a lot of sci-fi shows more were like, ooh, cool, a cool thing. And then the dialogue kind of would like be like, mm, very like just exposition-y. Yeah. Um, and this yeah. isn't really that. No, absolutely. And I mean, like I've said, it, it definitely makes you think from from beginning to end of like, not everything is as it appears. There are, right. you know, layers and shout outs to things. And if you're not paying attention, you miss things like yeah. that. And then if you pay yeah, extra attention, you get extra things. Right. It's definitely like you said, like you don't, I mean, maybe like you or I could, because we've seen it a bunch of times, but like it's not right. a movie you want to view <laughs> as just like background. Right, right. And I don't even think I, I 
I mean, there's some things that, yeah, I've seen a million times, but I still won't put on his background because I'll find myself. I wanted his background, but then it's like, oh, I'm just watching the thing. I'm not you know, right. doing the thing I wanted to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's a testament to like, you know, good cinema or good media yeah. of like, if you put it on in the background and you still get sucked into it, like that's a good one. Like you yeah. picked a good one to watch. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I think that's probably also why for background for me, I mostly go for like comedies. Like, mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, I've seen this hundred times. And if I stop to laugh, that's fine. But then I can go back to like, you know, for me, a background is like parts and rec or 30 rock or, right. or like, or American dad, even like something really like mindless where it's like, okay, I can laugh, but still do the thing I want to do. Yeah. I, I think mine is friends, which unfortunately it's not on Netflix anymore, but <laughs> I can, <laughs> isn't it going I, to a different platform though? It, yeah. It's on HBO max now. Cause mm. I think they're doing a reunion, which oh, I'm excited for. <laughs> But I think I've seen friends all the way through like maybe five or six times. So mm-hmm. like I like if I'm doing schoolwork, I'll put it on or if right. I'm just doing things around the house, I'll put it on. It's just comforting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I know every episode already, so I don't get too sucked in, but like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that even for me, though, I can't normally it would be Buffy, but I've noticed because I think of Buffy in terms of my podcast, mm. I like then I'm like, oh, I should remember this for that. Oh, I should remember to talk about this. And I'm like, okay, that's not fun then for background. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the last time I watched like a couple Buffy episodes in a row, I think I had just moved and I was putting together furniture mm. and like I was, it was like Ikea furniture. So like not terribly difficult, but I just remember like putting something together and then just like stopping because I'm watching Buffy. <laughs> I'm just getting sucked in. And then I looked down, I'd put something on wrong. And it was backwards. And I'm like, oh, this was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess, are we ready to talk about the very end? My, are we there? We're there, right? Yeah, I think we're there. I think we could so, do that. So I love the end and Gary Jewell's Mad World, which... <laughs> Now I think of two things when I think of that song. I think of this beautiful, perfect ending, and I think of the last ep- the, the episode of Riverdale that made me stop watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> Betty, I don't know if you're familiar or you've watched Riverdale. I think I watched the first two seasons, one and a half, something like okay, that. Okay, so season two, there's an episode where they're at a fucking bar. Mind you, they are un- underage teenagers. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think forget why but like i think it's like veronica and archie are singing mad world and then they have a fight and they stop and betty gets on stage at this bar with adults (laughs) and sings while stripping to mad world (laughs) (laughs) and i can remember watching it just being like this is fucking nonsense and that was the last time i watched the show (laughs) like there was like too many nonsensical things going on at once why were these children singing at a bar that was like Owned by whatever banker gang <laughs> is in Riverdale. And, uh. Right. No, exactly. So, so now that song makes me think of both those things. <laughs> one I love, one I don't. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, what it's, do you think? Because I think all the actors, when they pan across all of them, and it's like the sister's crying, the dad's mm-hmm. crying, and the mom's like leaning against a tree smoking. I think mm-hmm. I, I like that because not everyone grieves the same way. And I think that's also something that a lot of media doesn't really like to show often mm-hmm. like i i would think i could see a hollywood person being like no this will make the mother seem mean right when like we know she's upset it's not that it's not that she's not ups- you know what i mean yeah 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 i mean i think i think the whole sequence of panning to every single character um who in so in one way i think 
almost like they've had a shared dream of like what happened mm-hmm. almost is what I think. And so like, I guess when they're panning in my mind, I'm like, they're like taking a sigh of relief of like, okay, I've woken up and that's not the reality that I'm in. And so at the end, when you see, you know, his family crying and his mom, you know, smoking against the tree, I always think, or at least this past time when I watched it, I was like, does she remember that she was on a plane with her daughter and then she woke Hmm. up Hmm. because she doesn't necessarily have a panning moment like the rest. Um, Her and the dad both have like from like in the beginning of the movie, like she wakes up in bed because the turbine comes through. So on one hand, I'm like, maybe she doesn't. And this is just how she grieves. Or maybe there's like some kind of deal she's having in her head of like, I did lose my son, but myself and my daughter are still alive. Like we Hmm. aren't in a plane. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it's very interesting to think about, though, of like. Yeah. Because I love when characters are silent and you kind of have to figure it out. Because you can, because granted, you can put like your own spin on it. Right. Yeah. I just think it's, it's interesting to kind of interpret that. Because even when her and Gretchen like share that wave. It's right. like, do they remember something? Do they not remember? <laughs> right. In this new reality, is this just like, does Gretchen not really know Donnie, or did she dream about him, or what? Or I just, I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I, I remember reading theories about that, like back in the day, that it was like, do they all like, do like certain characters know what happened? Do like. There's like the mom and Sharita Chen and like mm-hmm. Gretchen, do they remember? Or like, is it just like, oh, is it like a deja vu feeling? Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. It's a lot to unpack, I think. And a lot to speculate as well. Of like. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I like, I actually really like that. I like like speculation and that shit. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, and I I will say that I cried again on this viewing, which is like my you know bajillionth, and I still <laughs> cried at that end. I was like, Ugh. I was like, I don't need to watch this end. I already know it's sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I almost this past time I watched it, and I was like, almost expecting it to go on a little bit further to like maybe give us one or two like answers to our questions about the end. But then it did end, and I was like, no, that makes sense. <laughs> Like, no, okay, that's yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just, there's just so much. I, I feel like I say this all the time on this podcast. I'm like, there's just so much to this film. <laughs> I just can't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with this, I feel like there is. I mean, that's why, I think that's why it's like so popular because it's just, there's so much to discuss. The acting's so good. The writing's mm. so good. It's like everything is, everything's like, moving on an a plus level and yeah yeah, yeah they all came what, on like, the right day a cult classic yeah they really yeah. did yeah <laughs> <laughs> so no one let, is phoning it in yeah right everyone is at a hundred percent maybe yeah. even a little bit more <laughs> yeah <laughs> so then let me ask you and this might be a hard question what would you say is your favorite part of this movie do you have a favorite part um hmm. Hmm, do i have a favorite part <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like so 
my hmm <laughs> i keep being like okay this part's your favorite no 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 this part no 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 yeah. this part <laughs> i i think maybe it might shit I, okay I th- i'm gonna say this but like ask me tomorrow and i might have a different opinion <laughs> right right uh i think maybe it's the scene uh the lifeline scene where they cut Donnie right before he tells her off. And then we hear her say the line in the principal's office and the dad laughs. I think (laughs) that like those like few minutes are like my favorite, but I think a close second would be the dinner scene table at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, both excellent choices. hundred percent. What would be your favorite scene? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask. (laughs) (laughs) I host a podcast too. (laughs) You have the audacity. (laughs) um i mm, i think maybe this is gonna sound dark i think i one of my favorite parts is at the end when they're at grandma death's house and and gretchen gets run over by the car because it's like all the pieces coming together and so yeah like yeah i think it's it's one of like the the first climax before like everything else falls into place and so i think that's one of the reasons I like it. Plus there's that scene where they're in the cellar, Donnie and, and Gretchen, and she plays the piano and he gives her that look, which is kind of like, it's kind of a sweet moment between the two of them. And then just everything goes wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's probably one of, one of my favorites. All right. Cool. Ooh. It does sound dark though. Now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Wait, as soon as you said this is going to sound dark, I almost made a joke like, well, as long as you don't say the scene where she gets hit by the car. <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you (laughs) (laughs) yeah silly me (laughs) oh boy i mean is there anything else that we can say about this movie like in general of have we missed something is um i don't know i don't my my last note i have like three pages of notes and my last note is just the mom smoking the cigarette hits me the hardest i love it that's Mm. that's my last note um i don't think i have anything else to say i mean i'm sure i could I said, ask me tomorrow and I could probably have like 10 different things, but. <laughs> oh, I did want to mention uh, Sharita just as a character mm. of, I mean, again, she has kind of a, I wouldn't say a crucial role, but she pops up at like all the right times. If yeah. that makes sense. What, what's, your, what's your take on, on her and her importance? Well, I always, um, I think I said this earlier. I remember reading that like, she was just supposed to be a character, kind of like Grandma Death, where like she kind of knew what was going on, mm-hmm. or like kind of knew everything was like at least off. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean, we see her at the end. Um, she puts her doesn't she like put her hand up against the locker or something or like we see. I forget. Yeah. We see her at the end, don't we? Yes. Like she's one of the people we see. She's um, in so- one of the montages. I think she's right. in her room. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I was thinking of? I was thinking of the last episode of Buffy when all the girls <laughs> get turned into slayers and we see different ones and one of them like is like leaning against the locker. Um, that's exactly what I was thinking of. But um, yeah, I, that's and that's for me just always how I read her as like a character that just kind of knew everything was off. Mm-hmm. Um, but also was it, you know, like treated like shit by these shitty teenagers. Yeah. Because I mean, it's interesting because there's they make a choice in the film that after she does the talent show, they show her because it's like the house is burning down and Donnie's going back to the movie right. theater. And there's a shot of her in the courtyard in front of the, they made me do it, which yeah. I thought was an interesting scene of like, why is this here? 
<laughs> like it, it doesn't need to be here, but there's something important here, right? Like, and maybe I'm just right. reading too much into it of she's just kind of dealing with her own thing of people being jerks to her all the time. Right. But I just remember watching it this time being like, why is this here? <laughs> so is there anything else? I feel like we've hit almost everything about this movie. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All the important bits, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, is there a place where people can find you? I mean, obviously, the podcast, I'm subscribed, and my viewers should be, too. (laughs) Um, So you can find my podcast on all social media platforms at SlayerFestX98. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and other places. And we have a Patreon if you want to help support us. And my social media is at Ian X Carlos on all platforms. Fantastic. Well, Ian, I do want to say thank you for coming on the show and picking an amazing movie. Just thank in you general. for having me. <laughs> yes, of course. I was honestly I was so excited when you picked Donnie Darko. I was like, oh, a cult film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would love to have you back at some point in the future. Totally. And And I'm excited to continue listening to your podcast as well. And, and yeah, I mean, just, just thank you in general. Oh, shucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for doing this and, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Anytime. And, uh, and I guess I'll, I'll be seeing you around. Okay. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Thank you so much again to Ian Crawford for coming on the show and talking about his favorite film, Donnie Darko. It was an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to discuss more movies with him in the future. Now, I know 2020 has been a bit of a wild ride, for sure, to say the least, and I know that we are still trying to cope with this new normal and what that means to us, but I do hope that it means that you're watching new, fun media and trying your best to keep things normal and keep things light. Um, And I hope that you're dressing up for Halloween because I know I am. (laughs) I am going to be watching scary movies at home and maybe having a few drinks. And I, I wish nothing but the best for you on your Halloween. Additionally, I just want to throw it out there. Don't forget to go vote because we are right around the corner from the election. Now, I try not to be political on the show, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least put it out there and say, don't forget to exercise your right to vote. I already have. I've already put my ballot in the drop box, ready and waiting for November 3rd. But while you're getting your costume together or while you are shopping for discounted Halloween merchandise on November 1st, as I will be, just remember, if you're over the age of 18 and you are registered to vote, to take the time to do so. This election is incredibly important. Now, if you haven't already, please be sure to go ahead and check out episodes one through five, which are already posted out there in the big wide universe. But if you cannot wait for more film content, you can follow us on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast and also on our TikTok at scopophilia the podcast. Furthermore, as you tell your family and friends about our wonderful little show here, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and to tell them to rate, review, and subscribe as well, because of course it helps us out a bunch. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, 
leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia, the podcast. And I'll see you all next Friday. Oh, and one more thing. Happy Halloween.